0: need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hi guys it's great to be back with you again this week we have a mailbag that is overflowing so i'm gonna dig right in all right here we go I have a question from Jana. Jana writes, Hi Betsy, here is my dilemma. I have a very open concept main floor with lots of orange toned stained woodwork and beams. I'm currently not in a position to hire anyone to paint it white. And I'm guessing that your thoughts on DIYing it are a big fat don't. Any suggestions on a color palette that would jive with the dreaded stained woodwork? I currently have cream walls with blue, gray, and teal accents. Should I be considering the orangey trim as part of the palette and add orange accents as well? Thanks in advance for your help, Jana. No. (laughs) One word answer, Jana. No. Do not incorporate orange in your decor. One thing that I don't like is when somebody has something in their house that they really hate and they get more of it. Thinking that it will make it feel cohesive or make it better. Getting more of something you hate is a problem. And it will exacerbate the problem. It will draw attention to the orangey floors to incorporate more orange things. I really love that you have um offset all this orange trim with these cooler tones like the blues and grays and teals however you know that with my 60 30 10 equation i do like something warm so say your 60 percent um, in terms of your color palette was that blue and your 30% was that teal, well, I do hope that your 10% is something warm. But it does not, and I repeat, does not need to be orange if that is not a color you're excited about, which it sounds like you're not. My next question comes from Amy. Amy writes, Betsy, I adore your podcast. I do love this rug, but is it okay for a grown-up to have such a rug in her family home? home. All right guys, you can't see this rug uh where you are, but I will describe this rug to you and then we will answer this question together. So this rug is a fuzzy plush rug. It has a tribal style print that is in a variety of tones, everything from teal to hot pink to like a yellowish orange to a royal blue it's got bits of pea green as well as some sea blue it's a very bold rug but overall the background color is cream with a thick shag and it's called the watercolor soft suma kids rug if you're googling it my feeling is that this is not a super sophisticated rug the pattern um in and of itself, would be quite nice with these diamonds and Xs. It could be really sophisticated if it were gray and cream or, you know, not 15 colors and cream. But it is 15 colors, and these colors are relatively juvenile with the hot pinks and the explosive yellows and... um, I don't think that this is going to easily translate to a sophisticated space. I could make this rug feel adult. I'm not sure I could make this particular rug feel sophisticated. So there we go. All right. My next question comes from Another Amy, a different Amy. She writes, Hi, Betsy. I've heard about your potential interior design certification course, and I would love to know more. I am currently an interior decorator who has always had a passion for homes, but I did not get a degree in interior design. I am completely self-taught. I was hired as a designer by a major retailer, and I worked there before starting my own company with another designer. I want to go more in-depth, do homework, really dig in deep to all you have to offer. Specifically, I would like to know more about scale, proportion, color, balance, lighting, layout, floor plans, how to handle the marriage counselor component of being designers for couples, as well as the business side of things that we creatives tend to miss. Thank you for having this big, scary goal as you called it on the other day's podcast. I am looking forward to this course. Blessings, Amy." Well, Amy, I am glad to hear that you also want to know more about the business side because I must say that would probably have been a side I wouldn't have addressed had you and Andrea from last week not brought it up. So I'm happy to take a deep dive into how I work and kind of pull back the curtain on what we do day-to-day over here to make affordable interior design a success. The marriage counselor component is such a reality. And it's not just about being a marriage counselor when you're doing interior design. It's about being a therapist in general. And even though I'm going to go into lots of strategies uh, in the course, let me tell you something now. Um, When people come to you and they're having problems with their home, It's personal. And when people come to you at the level of affordable interior design, when they're not going to a custom interior designer, when maybe this is their first time ever considering that they could afford a designer, they are coming to you not because they want to spend the money, but because they have to spend the money. Nobody is calling me because they're having a good day. People call me when things have gone terribly wrong, when they are terribly sad or ashamed of their space or you know, feeling bad in some way. And they've decided that throwing money at the problem is the only way to fix what's going on. So we're really a last resort for people. And, They're coming to me with problems that are much deeper than hating their couch. Hating their couch has translated to them hating being in their living room, which has translated to them not hanging out with their family, which has then led to their kids hanging out in their rooms alone while the parents sit at the dining room and argue about X, Y, and Z because, you know, they don't have a comfortable place to binge watch Netflix. This is what it becomes. People who are ashamed to have their friends over. People who bought something that's the wrong size and now have to reconsider everything in their space because they can't afford to return this item. And the key when being a designer is that you first listen to what they have to say and listen truly empathetically They're really sharing something that's difficult for them to tell you most of the time. After they share that that's difficult for them to tell me, I first acknowledge that they told me that, and then I usually like to share a little bit of something about myself. You know, most designers aren't necessarily known for their personal anecdotes, but I feel like someone being so vulnerable with me, I want to let them know that not only did I hear what they were saying, but I can relate in some way. So if somebody tells me that, well, let's just use that sofa example, that they have a sofa that's uncomfortable, nobody sits on it, they're feeling disconnected from their family because nobody's hanging out, I can understand that. I can understand and maybe I want to share a time when I got the West Elm Peggy sofa and I loved it and my husband hated it and he would not lounge on the sofa with me and I was sitting there happy as could be because it was the most adorable sofa I'd ever seen. Meanwhile, nobody in my family thought it was comfortable. And, you know, we eventually had to change it out for the Macy's Radley sofa that now everyone loves, everyone falls into at the end of a long day. And I don't personally love it aesthetically as a designer. It makes me cringe a tiny bit. But I can see the happiness in my family. I can see the change that it made. And... Um, I got it at a really affordable price point. So I wasn't so upset spending money on another sofa to make everyone happy because it was so crazy affordable. Check out Macy Sofas, people. Uh, so that's just a tip I'll give you about dealing with clients. Um, and in terms of scale and proportion, this is the biggest problem I see with people who have been to design school. They still don't know, or you know, maybe they're so used to doing things custom that they don't have to pay attention to the fact that an in-table lamp that is taller than the end table is going to look extremely top-heavy, if not precarious. Additionally, a lampshade that is wider than the table it's on is going to look like a crazy mushroom. These are things that you have to watch out for on the retail market because we're not custom-creating the shade to any size that we want. We have to have our detail-seeking eyes on so that we catch all of these issues before our top picks are sent to our clients. And that means that our top picks are reduced. You know, I can't pick an eight a lamp with an 18-inch wide shade if the table is 15 inches by 15 inches. So it narrows down the pool of options I have. But that also makes my job somewhat easier right? I have these parameters that I can work within that make it very clear what I should be choosing. So I'll share all that with you and more during the certification course. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle All right, let's get to my next question. Next question comes from Carol. Hi, Betsy. As I listen and hear your advice on neutral colors, I am confused about choosing a new slipcover for my six-year-old Pottery Barn multi-print rolled arm sofa. I have a very large rectangular living room that is open to the foyer in the dining room. I planned on white or off-white with our light beige Benjamin Moore walls, but you are saying grayish or beige. Rosy beige wall to wall carpeting can be changed and the honey color of my hardwood will also be changed shortly. I have mauve side panel drapes on a picture window, but it's too much of the same. We have two mid-century rose velvet Louis chairs with footrests and two of the same color velvet seats, smaller occasional chairs. Large end wall has a large antique white brake front. The room has a walnut wood console piano. In table, butler table, and other mid-century tables are all in walnut. I love the chairs, but maybe we need to lose them and the mauve drapes. Do I need to consider another print sofa slipcover? I'm so tired of a print sofa. Thanks in advance for this frustrated planner. I just love your business, your podcasts, and your positive, genuine, gifted, and upbeat delivery of information. I wish you all the best, Carol. All right, Carol, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that you do need something with pattern in this room, whether it's the rug or the drapes, but it should definitely not be the sofa, especially because you've just come from having a printed sofa and you know you're over it, but also because I almost never recommend a printed sofa. And the reason I gave a pause is because I was trying to think back to my last 14 years of design when I last recommended a printed sofa, and I cannot recall because a sofa is a very big element in a room. To put it um, in a print is a large dose of whatever that print is. And also, generally, the sofa is one of the longest-lasting items in the room. And to have this much print for this long a time is suffocating, as you well know. So I want you to do this sofa in a neutral color. Now, if you have very well-behaved children, pets, if you yourself are well-behaved, I'm fine with white or off-white for that slipcover, especially because it is a slipcover, and hopefully you can have another one made if it gets ruined by wine as mine would. But if you do have naughty pets, naughty husband, naughty something or other, naughty partner, um, naughty anything in your house, including yourself, I myself am quite naughty with stains and spills, then I would go for a deeper than your walls beige. I do think that it sounds like you have too much of that rosy warm color that can also be... um, In the same family as mauve, even though mauve tends to have a little bit of blue to it, so it's almost got an undertone of purple. Uh, But it sounds like you've just got too much of that. Now, you know that I want you to find that inspiration piece, which will maybe be something with a print, like those drapes. But I think we can make some of these chairs work. I am understanding from your email that you have four chairs in this rose or mauve color, which might be a little bit too much. You may have two of them recovered in a cooler tone, like a sage, a pale blue, and then keep the other two in that warm tone. And then it sounds to me like it's definitely time to change out those drapes because having those be that rosy mauve color is, again too much of the same thing for my tastes. But think about that inspiration piece and start there because that's where you'll pull those three colors from, that 60, 30, 10, that will then make the room feel more balanced. And what I want you to look for is making sure that those three colors that you're pulling out are a mix of warm and cool. So if you use that rose or that mauve color as one of them, maybe the other two would be the cooler colors i mentioned like a blue and a sage. That's some food for thought. I hope I answered your question. Let me get to my very last question. Oh, that's a long one. Hold on. Let me see if I can find a short one to end this podcast episode on. Oh, goodness. We have lots of long ones coming through the pipeline. That is the benefit of sending me a short question, guys, is that I will get to it much sooner. Because I can fit them in in the gaps that I have with my podcasts. So let's fit this one in. This one comes from Michelle. Michelle writes, Hi Betsy! Recently, to my surprise, I found white woven linen-type drapes that have a great texture and are the perfect balance of translucence and privacy. I just heard a recent podcast of yours and I thought you might want to check it out. Sorry, I can't remember the Swedish name. These drapes do have rod pockets, but also a fabric loop on the back that makes them hang well without the bunching that's normally associated with rod pockets. I hope this is useful and they were definitely at a good IKEA price. Sincerely, Amy. Oh, that one's from Amy. Oops. Okay, there we go. Um, Amy, all right. Well, thanks for sharing that tip about the drapes. I sure wish you could remember where they were from. No, guys. I don't mind those rod pocket drapes that have tabs on the back, and I do feel that they are much better than the rod pocket drapes. But sometimes those tabs in the back do gather as well, and they prevent you from pushing that drape all the way to the side. So I am just going to put that as a word of warning because... Um, You know, a lot of people, including myself, want to be able to push that drape all the way back so it doesn't encroach on our natural light. If you are like me, you are going to want to go for grommet panels that have the rings punched into the fabric, or you'll get like a French pleat drape that then accommodates drapery rings, in which case you'll be able to push those drapes to the side as well. All right. That was such a short question. In fact, it wasn't a question at all, just a lead on some good drapes, that I'm going to transition to another question that comes from Kristen. Kristen writes, Betsy, thank you so much for answering my question on Facebook Live the other day. Your guidance is so helpful and I really appreciate it. If you are at the bottom of the mailbag, I am curious for your thoughts on sectional couches. Do you have any rules about those? We have this teeny tiny but handsome pottery barn couch in our current house. So I want the new couch in our new house to be big enough for all five of us, two kids, two adults, and a dog. I want us to all lounge and enjoy this together. The new family room will be about 19 feet by 19 feet. It's going to have a stacked stone fireplace with a TV mounted above, even though I know how you sometimes feel about this. It will also have cedar beams on the ceiling, and the windows will look out to a covered porch like the one in the pictures. Let me know what you think. All right, Kristen. Well... I do love a sectional for a family. I think that a sectional is a great choice because you can all be together without touching. You know, his elbow doesn't have to bump my elbow when we're both reaching for the remote. That being said, the times when I don't like a sectional are if you're renting and you're going to move in the next three years because sectionals don't travel well between spaces. So the sectional that fits in one living room is not going to fit nicely in another living room because You're going to wish you had the long arm on the short side, vice versa. Even if it's equidistant, it might cut the room up in an odd way. So I want you to make sure you're going to stay in this space, whether you rent or own, for at least three years. The other thing I want you to think about is that um, it's not too big for the space, right? Sometimes those can be quite overwhelming. You also want to think about... um, you know, what you might do for an ottoman. The other day I went to a place in Scarsdale and in the family room they wanted one of those huge sectional sofas that has a huge ottoman that fits inside so that the sofa essentially becomes a big rectilinear swath of fabric. I thought of it as like a big rectilinear bed basically because that ottoman fits perfectly like a puzzle piece making the entire rectangle upholstered. That, I think, is overkill. It's too much of that same fabric. It looks very fun, like a big pit of madness, right, that you could just jump into and cozy into. But at the same time, it's just a lot of that same color. So say you got a beige sectional or a gray sectional and you know I'm going to be recommending a neutral colored sectional because any true color like a red or a blue or a green, there's just so much of that fabric when you're talking about such a large piece like a sectional that it can really be an overwhelming statement. But, um, you want to break it up. So maybe that means that you're doing a coffee table that's a wood, metal, or glass texture. Or maybe that means if you're really pining for an upholstered ottoman in the center of that sectional, that you do something that is a true color, like the Roy G Biv colors I would stay away from for that sectional upholstery. Just so when you squint, you see that nice contrast. I also, while we're on the topic of coffee tables or ottomans, prefer a circular coffee table or ottoman in an L-shaped sectional because it fits more nicely, allowing for you to flow in and out of the sectional with ease. If you put a square or a rectilinear coffee table inside an L-shaped sectional, it's going to fit tightly like a puzzle piece and you're going to have to shimmy in and you might wind up hitting your shins on the edge of that coffee table when you do try to squeeze in that small space. Uh, let's see what other sectional tips I have for you. With your family, you're going to want to perform its fabric. That's for sure. I tend to do an L-shaped sectional versus a U-shaped sectional just because the U-shapes come in extra large sizes. You're really going to be hard-pressed to find one that's under 130 inches. And most spaces aren't going to accommodate a sectional that's quite that large. Um, what else, what else, what else? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be sinking some money into this piece, so make sure that you check a lot of stores before you settle on one that you prefer. I love Crate and Barrel sectionals, but they're really quite deep, so you want to make sure that's the experience you want to have before you splurge on that. Um, I have a fondness for Macy's sectionals. I think you heard me discuss the Radley. I personally have the Radley and love it uh ikea has one or two good sectionals including the kivik and the other one is just left my mind i talk about it all the time oh my goodness what's it called ah i forgot anyway ikea has two good sectional sofas and um who else has good sectionals room and board but it's very pricey uh, so again, make sure it's your dream sectional with a performance fabric to withstand the wear and tear of that wonderful family you have. All right. I hope that helped. And guys, uh, keep your questions coming. I love to answer them. You can send them to Betsy at com, And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. Bye.